We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When it's time for a new credit card, the best ones do way more than just buy stuff. And that's why U.S. Bank offers credit cards that make every day more rewarding. Earn cash back. Score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch. Or get a low intro APR. U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding. And check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. This is the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast. Here's your host, John Halpin. Hey, everybody, it's John Halpin. Welcome to the Monday, November 13th edition of the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast, sponsored by FanDuel. Um, Derek Van Riper is back with me today. We haven't talked in, oh boy, 70 hours, something like 60 hours probably about this. So we were, we were ready. And um, coming from Wisconsin, how's everybody feeling there about Martellus Bennett today? Uh, you know, there's, there's a pretty wide range of, of outcomes. Like for, for someone like me, uh, I, I don't know why he wasn't playing better when he was here. And I don't understand what exactly is going on behind the scenes that we don't know about with regard to the injury, the team doctor, that whole saga that that's all very bizarre. But then at the other end of the spectrum, you don't have to leave my family. You can find like my dad, who's insane. Actually, like I, as, as I as I grow older, I realize my dad's completely crazy. Yeah, he thinks there's like some conspiracy where the Patriots were communicating with Bennett all year, and this was some grand plan of theirs to bring a third tight end back into the fold in Week Ten and use him as an inside man uh, with the Packers because in the event of a Patriots-Packers Super Bowl, which of course wow. was at least likely when Rodgers was healthy, uh, you know Bennett would be able to have all the dirt. So this, this, this is like Spygate 3.0 to my dad. Uh, I'm, I'm definitely concerned. He's not even 60 years old yet. Like the, the degree to which he thinks things in the NFL are conspiracies is crazy uh, because he doesn't see that level of conspiracy happening in places where it actually could happen. If that makes sense. That, that is a high level conspiracy going on there. Yeah. And that, that, that's I mean, that's within one family. But that, that I think that covers pretty much the whole the whole spectrum of where Packer fans are at. I think some of us are just kind of like, well, it wasn't going to work here. So at least he's playing out his last season somewhere. I mean, my my theory is just that he didn't want to play on a team that probably won't make the playoffs with Brett Hundley in his last season. Right. He said he wanted to retire. So, you know, if he's if he was hurt or just said if they kind of agreed to do that to get him an opportunity to go back to a place where he wanted to go. I, I don't know how, how deep that could go, but I, I just, 
it wasn't going to work for him in Green Bay for one reason or another. And I was wrong about that. That, that well, you, don't, you don't know how far I could go that he needed that last week he needed surgery, but then he passed a physical with the Patriots. Right. I mean, yeah. like uh, the Patriots aren't the opposite of the, the Baltimore Orioles with physicals where they're just letting stuff go through. I mean, that, there's clearly something else going on there and we don't really know what it is. But I'm I'm not gonna, at the level that's going to say that the Patriots were you know, expecting this to happen all along. I think everybody involved thought this would be a good fit for him going to Green Bay. Yeah, I do. Too. And, and we talked about early early in the season about his fantasy prospects. And, and and you pointed out to me numerous times that, well, because of their offensive line situation, he was required to block more than they would have liked. Oh, yeah. For probably the first six weeks or so, they had a banged up offensive line. I think just in these last couple of weeks, as they've lost Rodgers, their offensive line has been a little bit healthier and the tight ends have had to block a little bit less. But even still, I think uh, Brian Bulaka didn't play against the Bears and. Anyway, people are probably sick of me talking about the Packers and all that. But, yeah, the Martellus Bennett, the fact that he would just go into New England and actually you know, catch some passes right away is it's just classic Patriots. I mean, clearly he knows the system. He was there last year. Um, and part of it, I think, is their their wide receiver personnel uh, with Chris Hogan out was a bit depleted. You know, Philip Dorsett hobbled off the field at one point during that game last night, too. So they're the kind of team, the more you watch the Patriots – and they did a good job highlighting this on the Sunday night broadcast last night. They're just going to take mismatches. They don't care how good their players actually are like in a vacuum. Like Rex Burkhead's never going to get an 85 Madden rating. But if Burkhead's a 75 and they can put him on a 70, they'll take advantage of that matchup all day. And that's, that's just that's what they're all about. So if that means they got to run two and three tight end formations, I mean, Dwayne Allen caught a touchdown pass right. yesterday. They're just going to beat you with what they have because they're going to find your weakness and beat your weakness repeatedly until they have a big enough lead to just walk away with the game. Yep. And that was that was a methodical. I thought the Broncos were going to put up a good fight last night. Obviously, that was wrong. All right, everybody, check us out on Twitter if you haven't already. Derek's at Derek Van Riper. I'm at Hoffman 37 You can also tweet us at Rotowire. You can get player updates at Rotowire NFL, which is a news feed. And you can always find us on Facebook where we do uh, answer questions and do Facebook Live Q&As during the week. Okay, we're going to just go through the Sunday games uh, a little bit at a time. Uh, if you have any questions about them or any of the players, again, hit us up on Twitter. Uh, Browns-Lions. Um, clock management before halftime. That was stellar. Yes. Um, do you expect either one of these teams to ever be good at clock management in your lifetime? No, but I, I think the being that bad was a, was startling, even for the Browns. Yeah, they. I, OK, so here's the thing with the Browns. And and I, I, I thought they were improved at the beginning of the year. We probably even came on this podcast the Monday after week one and said, Hey, the Browns only lost by three to the Steelers. Yep. But this is this is real. This is happening. And they got knocked around. They lost by 14 to the Ravens on the road. But it was, oh, it's the Ravens. The Ravens are good at home. They lose to the Colts on the road by a field goal. And you think, yeah, OK, they're close. And as the season has gone on, it's instead of being like a close game every other week, it's been it's been like a, a close game, two bad ones, a close one. Two bad ones. The, the, the pattern is going to probably become like a close one, three bad ones, too. They still, I think, need to stick with their plan, right? The, the Paul D. Podesta front office, the analytics-driven decisions, because they acquired a ton of draft picks. And if they're going to try this system out, get a bunch of young talent, and actually try to develop that young talent, that's, that's a three- or four-year rebuild. I mean, they're... The Browns are in like the first year or second year in this particular window of their mega rebuild of, of the kind of, kind of like where the Astros were early on in the Astros process. But in football, you don't really have a farm system, so it's harder to see it because you have to trust that your front office nails it during the draft. And if you're a Browns fan, understandably, you have no optimistic that your front office will nail it ever. Right. And I just think you got to give them a chance. You got to give them probably two more years, two more drafts and see how it goes through like the end of 2019. And if by then they're not playing at least at a 500 level and trending the right way, then you clean house again and you rebuild for the 33rd year in a row or whatever it's been. I mean, it's been a long time. I think I've seen the Browns play one playoff game 
in my lifetime. I think it was the Kelly Holcomb led Browns. <laughs> right. Like, do, do you think the owners – see, I, I have no faith that the owner is going to have faith in his front office for that long. I think people I just, are in his ear already. Yeah, you wonder, right? Like how, it sounds like it, right? Well, it, it it's sort of just like the nature of – of owners in general, they're, they're business people that have had staggering amounts of success for all sorts of different reasons, of course, but they're not used to losing. They're not used to failure. They're not used to criticism. And I think that's part of what makes them unwilling to stick with something for the long haul. If that's the best course of action, it's just a emotionally, like they just don't handle failure very well. We've, We've talked about that with players before. In player analysis, it comes up more in baseball, but I would imagine in football, it's just as real where, you know, if if football was easy for you, your entire life through college and you get to the NFL, it might not be easy for you anymore. Like that same sort of structure exists for for owners who maybe have never really failed at anything or at least that they have. It wasn't on the grand scale of being watched by an entire nation every single Sunday and then criticized by the local and national media day after day throughout the week after every one of those losses. Yep. Um, all right. As far as the rest of this game, uh, fantasy stuff, let's see. I mean, Golden Tate, everybody. If you Golden Tate is a top 10 PPR wide receiver at this point. Last five games, targets, 8, 7, 8, 9, 7. Receptions, 5, 7, 7, 7, 6. And the guy is, he's just, Stafford loves him. He's just a stud. Isaiah Crowell had a nice little game there, finally. Right? I'm happy with never, that. I, 16 for I, 90 and a touchdown? Yeah, I never expect anything from Isaiah Crowell. He wasn't one of my guys coming into the year, and when he plays well. From a running game standpoint, things looked fine. Five yards of carry for Crowell, five yards of carry for Duke. Kaiser ran the ball well. Um, but you know, the, the question comes down to turnovers, the, the set the valve lost a fumble Kaiser threw a pick and the Browns just don't have a, a margin for error right now. They, they can't make mistakes like that because they don't have enough playmakers, especially in the passing game to offset it. And the eventual return of Josh Gordon could certainly help that, but it's one guy. I mean, like I, I still Josh Gordon and the cast of characters they have right now would still be a below average group of pass catchers, right? Right. Absolutely. It's bad. Um, Steelers Colts, uh, T Y Hilton. Geez, we were so excited after the last game when he went five for one seventy five with two touchdowns. Um, got nothing done yesterday. Two for 23. Um, Antonio Brown was a, I mean, that, that was probably an unexpected, you never know in this league on the road, but even, even with that, that was an unexpectedly tough road for the Steelers. Yeah, it was. And and the strange thing, going back to Hilton for a second, I mean, Joe Hayden got hurt in the first half of this game. And, he, you know, like that, that to me should have been an opportunity for the Colts to move the ball more effectively through the air. Uh, but Pittsburgh as a team has been good against the pass all season long. So there was risk with Hilton. I just thought, there wasn't any reason to consider like benching him in season long. And I really didn't think there was a reason to stay away from him uh, from a DFS perspective either. I thought matchup wise on an individual level, if he did get lots of Hayden, he's so quick. He doesn't necessarily take on the, the matchup difficulties that bigger number one receivers take on. It was one of them. I was actually wrong about a lot of things this week. And, and that was, that was another one of them. I mean, I thought Antonio Brown as as chalky receivers go at the top made all the sense in the world because the Colts have been tied with the Patriots as the worst pass defense in the league. And they found a way to, to keep Antonio Brown pretty quiet in this one. Yep. They sure did. Um, otherwise in this game, Juju had another nice game. Uh, Martavis Bryant reappeared. I am I am just steering people away from Martavis Bryant at, at all, at, everywhere. Anytime someone asks Martavis Bryant, I just say no. At this point, mm. whether it's I'm a little, I'm just worried that he's going to take away value from from Juju Smith Schuster at this point. He, he might, but even if he does, there will it, it, they they sort of not cancel each other out, but you know what I mean. With with Juju being a legitimate target, 
it's hard to play Martavis Bryant other than like a DFS tournament dart throw type, you know, in a season long, you can't start the guy. Yeah, that makes sense. I don't know. All right. Chargers Jags. What a wacky ending to this one. The Chargers have to be my, my Chargers to the playoffs train just just ground to a halt. And it, and it was fine with two minutes left in the game before they fumbled. It was just, it was you know, they were, fine. they were going to run out the clock, basically. Right. Yeah, everything everything looked like it was totally fine. And that fumble as they were grinding out those last couple plays allowed the Jags to get the game tying field goal. They eventually win with another field goal that was but partially blocked in overtime in uh, what a Josh Lambeau revenge game. Is that what this one landed on once they finally named it? (laughs) There are revenge games everywhere. Um, So much revenge in the NFL. That's why people love it. Uh, Corey Grant with a 56 yard rushing TD in this one. I mean, if you had Fournette going DFS season long, what, what is up with the Jags? Like, how do they do this? One week it's Yeldon. One week it's Corey Grant. Once in a while, Chris Ivory does something useful. He didn't yesterday. He had one carry for one yard. Uh, he caught a pass and lost five yards too. So that's that's good work to touch the ball twice and lose four yards. Uh, what's the what's the deal with the Jags? I mean, they, I was surprised Fournette didn't do a lot of damage against the Chargers because the Chargers have had trouble with the run this year. Right, and, and but even with Fournette being, even with the Chargers stopping the run pretty well yesterday. The two things that started, I, I can't believe Yeldon got that many snaps because he got, what, 31 to Fournette's 45, I think. Yep. And the other thing was, if, if you look at the play-by-play in the fourth quarter, and I was watching some of the fourth quarter, at one point early in the fourth, the Jags basically said, and, and it was a close game, they basically said, all right, no more Fournette. We're going to put this game in Blake Bortles' hands. That's basically what they did which was shocking. I mean, I'm watching going, what on earth are they doing? Why are they throwing every down? It was, they weren't yet at a point where they had to when it started. I mean, it, it, if you look at the play-by-play, there was one in the early fourth where Fournette got the first carry of a drive, and then, and then the next three series, Bortles threw, I think, every down or close to it. And I, I don't know. I mean, it was, so, it was just so out of character for them, you know? Because I'm, mm-hmm. I'm not one that looks at them and says, there, I mean, I don't know how good of a coach Doug Marone is, but that just struck me as something that he wouldn't normally do. And I have no clue why he did it, other than maybe he just said, we're just not running well and it's not going to work. But, I mean, so, so you're going to say, okay, Blake, take it? Man. I, mean, no. I think you're more, you're more likely to hit a home run with Fournette than you are with Blake Bortles. Right. Um, the other thing is, so Melvin Gordon, he had battled some injuries recently. Another one, he didn't run that well. Um, but it still surprised me that Eichler got so much work. And he got the two touchdown receptions and he fumbled late. I mean, Melvin Gordon, this, after the bye week, I kind of thought that the injury stuff would subside. And I don't know how much it's a factor with Gordon that he's been, he hasn't missed a lot of time, but he's been banged up. And and equal getting that much work is kind of if I'm a Melvin Gordon owner, I'm starting to I, I I'm not worried to the point that he's going to lose his job. But having drafted him with something like the sixth or seventh pick, it makes me think, oh, man, this workload is not what I need. Yeah, I was kind of curious to see how well he'd play coming off the bye. I thought he'd be very important in this game because taking pressure off of Philip Rivers against the Jags defense would be kind of critically important to them sustaining some drives. And 16 carries, 27 yards, five catches, 15 yards. I mean, 21 touches. He's getting the volume that you want. He's on the field a lot. Jacksonville's done this at times this year. They've been that good against top backs. It's just weird that you get torched by the backup. Like, that doesn't quite add up for me. Bills, Cowboys, Browns, Redskins for the next four weeks. Three of those four games come at home. Do you see... Do you see a path for Gordon to fall into more of a timeshare or do you think he's just a clear cut starter and he gets right with these uh, next four games? I like to hope he gets right. I mean, like you, like you said, he did get 21 touches. So it's just that the other guy is on the field too. You know, yeah, I'm expecting him to get every touch, you know? And uh, I guess if he, I mean, I don't know if health still has something to do with it. I don't know. So 
I, I mean, I get I, I, I'm still I mean, you know, what are you going to do? The, the question here, fantasy wise, is after yesterday, do you go into week 11 and say, you know what, maybe I'm going to in a 12 team league, am I going to start Eekler? Mm. Yeah, I don't think I would plan on starting him, but I think he put himself onto rosters with what he did yeah. yesterday. And then if you got an injury or two or the last round of bye weeks gets you, sure, maybe he gets a flex spot. But that's about it. I, I think he still needs a Gordon injury to be viable most weeks. All right. Let's go to uh, Saints Bills. Remember on Friday when we said this was an underrated game? Remember? Yes. Yeah. We both, we were pretty, we were in complete agreement on that. Yeah. Uh, I thought this would be a good game. I thought this would be close. I thought the Bills, especially being at home, would be able to hang with the Saints. And, well, um, the Saints have won seven in a row, right? They were 0-2. Uh-huh. We thought they were going to just roll over and die. Or that's the way it yeah, looked anyway. I, I give, give Sean Payton credit. I thought maybe... His time was going to be up because after that slow start, thought, OK, they've got more running backs than they need with Peterson being in the fold, too. They don't seem to have that same punch offensively that we're used to. And they did it yesterday with the running game. I mean, Ingram was over 100 yards. Camara was over 100 yards. Trey Edmonds carried the ball nine times for 48 yards and scored. Breeze scored a rushing TD. Ingram scored three times. I mean, six rushing TDs for the Saints. Only one pass catcher over 32 yards. Michael Thomas went off nine for 117 on 10 targets. But it wasn't like they were making big plays the way they normally do. They just ran all over that Buffalo defense. Yeah, uh, they did. Those two running backs are, are I mean, Kamara's, Kamara, sorry, is <laughs> legit. He's really good. Um, and that, that was a great draft pick by them. Um, but Bills took Taylor out. Nathan Peterman played. But the Bills say that Tyrod Taylor is still their quarterback. They go into week uh, 11 at San Diego. Um, are the, do you think the, are the Bills just collapsing before our eyes or was it two bad games? <sighs> I, I think this is probably the delayed regression back toward the mean with them. I mean, they we thought they were going to be one of the worst teams in the league. Yeah, the, well, the way yeah, they were purging themselves of, of talent in the preseason, like they they seemed hell bent on joining the Jets as, you know, bottom feeders, not only in the division, but league wide, like it was the moves they were making didn't make sense. I, I think Sean McDermott was a good coaching hire. That's that's been kind of the thought all along. And, and that's sort of held up uh, as this season has played out. I still think I like Tyrod more than their front office past and present like Tyrod. I think he doesn't have anything really for, for quality receivers. I mean, what, what team other than maybe the jets and Browns right now has a worse group of pass catchers than the bills. I guess the Panthers could be in that conversation with Greg Olson hurt, right? You know, Benjamin traded to the bills. It just hasn't been the bears have a bad group of pass catchers too. It hasn't been a good setup for Tyrod Taylor throughout his time in Buffalo. And, and when they had Sammy Watkins, Watkins was hurt a lot. Or yeah, he when was. he came back last year, he was limited. So, you know, the Bills, maybe they think Nathan Peterman's the future. I would imagine there's at least one other team out there that would say, you know, Tyrod Taylor doesn't make a lot of big mistakes. Let's put some talent around him and see what he can do and just give him another shot. So I don't, I don't really understand why they got blown out so bad yesterday like I, I didn't think the bills had this horrible run defense that couldn't stop anybody uh, saints must have just had a great game plan they must have saw some things on film that they thought they could take advantage of and everything just clicked for them yesterday yeah i wonder i wonder if tyrod's the the con the kirk cousins consolation prize in the offseason for some yeah because I, be. I like him more than more than some people too um all right jets bucks uh Bilal powell God, that just that game just set up so perfectly. That was one of the more people talked about Bilal Powell so much that he was not a sleeper at all for the week. But I mean, he basically he split snaps with Elijah McGuire. He didn't catch passes, which the whole time Bilal Powell has been in the league, his receiving skills have been his, you know, his calling card. And he just they 
you know, he caught one pass while McGuire caught four. Um, I don't know if Forte's going to be out. I think Forte plays. Are the Jets off this week? They should be because they've already played 10 games. And I think the week 11 is the last of the bye weeks. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, if Forte's back, who the heck knows what's going to happen here. But the Bilal Powell thing, like, I, I feel like I've been down this road so many times that the next time this road, this option presents itself with him, I'm just going to say no. And if they're playing against the 32nd ranked rushing team in the league and every other running back on the team gets the measles, I'm still going to look at Bilal Powell and go, uh-uh, I can't do it again. No more. I usually don't like him, but the setup in this one was good enough where I used him a lot of places, and it was one of about three terrible DFS decisions in my primary lineups. And I don't know. I mean, one of them wasn't my fault. Devontae Freeman getting hurt. That just happened, and there's nothing you can do about that. But Powell kind of missed the layup in this one. I mean, both these teams offensively underperformed in a pretty big way. I think we looked at it and thought maybe 25 22 or something would make more sense as a final score 15 10 yeah i mean the, how does the jets defense only put up 10 points against the bucks i know they got brent grimes back but it's still to me not a a matchup you would fear from a, either the running game or the passing game perspective and i guess your top options there robbie anderson played well austin's he, very he got a late into touchdown. a solid game robbie anderson got a late he saved his day with a touchdown in the fourth quarter it was a nice yeah, play it, it turned out okay for those guys, but I mean, McCowan only the one passing TD, 262 through the air, sacked six times. I think that was a surprise for me. I, I think I, I didn't expect the Bucks to get quite that much pressure on McCowan. Right. Um, yeah, otherwise, yeah, Doug Martin, he got the work. He just didn't produce. I mean, the Jets' defense is not bad. Um, the Fitz narrative was there, but that didn't work. Um, but that did work, sorry. Um, all right. Yeah, this game was just, yeah, I, I don't know what to do. If In week 12, if Forte's there, I think you play Forte and you just forget about these other two jet running backs. I don't like Forte either, though. What What do you do with Doug Martin right now? I mean, if you're the Bucks, he's been your starter since he came back from that suspension. He looked good those first two games. I mean, Arizona's a tough matchup, 14 for 53 and a score against them in week six. But since then, 20 for 49 against Buffalo, 18 for 71 against Carolina was his only other good game eight for seven against the saints and 20 for 51 against the jets. I mean, is he, is he in danger of losing his job to Charles Sims or Peyton Barber or Jacquez Rogers? Because I, if you're the bucks, he's probably not your future at the position. There's right. a decent amount of mileage there. He's 28 years old. He's not playing well. And your team is struggling. Like, do you, do you make sure that Sims Barber uh, Rogers is old, so he's not your long-term answer either. Do you make sure that one of Sims or Barber shouldn't be part of a significant uh, role for next year? I mean, I think it would be Barber because it seems like they see Sims as the the change of pace type. But I don't know. I mean, now what? You, what's your record now? Is it three and six? They're three and six. Yeah, I, I don't know. That's that's a that's a good question. I think for a little while longer, they still go with Martin because they probably think he's their best guy. Maybe he's just getting no help blocking because he's had some game. I mean, yeah, I'm looking at the numbers. He's only run for more than four yards a carry in one out of his six games this season. So, yeah. I mean, that could be partially the, the offensive line, but at the same time, you got to look at the future. Right. All right, let's go to uh shootout in DC Vikings Redskins. Um, Adam Thielen, thank you. From all Adam Thielen's fantasy owners, thank you, Adam Thielen. Eight for 166 and a touchdown. That was huge. Um, I had, I was on the Rob Kelly train, and he got hurt. And I think that would have worked. I really do. I, I mean, there's enough scoring here that I think that one might have worked. Kirk Cousins had two short touchdown runs. So I wonder if they just, if Kelly might have benefited there. On the other side, I was, I'm going to pat myself on the back. Of all I got wrong yesterday, I was right about Latavius Murray. Yeah, I never feel like I'll ever be right about Latavius Murray. So good job on that call. I was wrong about this game. I, I thought it would go kind of close and tight. Both defenses are good. Solid pass rushes. They're not really weak against the run or the pass. I just thought, okay, this will be like a grinded out 20 to 17 kind of thing at, at most. And it was a shootout. It was one of the most exciting games on the, on the schedule this week. I'm looking at it and pretty much everything you'd expect to happen on the Minnesota side checks out. 
I mean, with everything getting scaled up, that is where Diggs does enough, even though Thielen was the leading receiver in this game to where they're both valuable. I'm a little surprised McKinnon didn't do more because I'm still convinced that Jarek McKinnon is a better player than Latavius Murray. But that was not the case again yesterday. Yep. Yeah, and Murray gets the, you know, I guess the team, I guess they thought they could run on Murray. Get, Murray's volume, again, for, for those of you, because we, we all tend to be skeptical of Latavius Murray. And I just want to go over again the volume on oh, my pages. I'm getting the spinning wheel of death. He, he's been at 15-ish carries for the last four weeks, right? Yeah, and it, it usually, I mean, it comes at the expense of McKinnon. I think since the 15th, since the matchup against the, the Packers when Aaron Rodgers was broken, 15, 18, 19, and 17 carries for Latavius Murray. Yep, huge. Um, so, yeah, don't sleep on that guy. All right, everybody, FanDuel is fantasy football for everyday fans. New contests starting every week. No busted seasons. There's something for everyone. Lots of contests to choose from starting at just a dollar. Just pick a contest, choose your team, and watch your score in real time. I actually had a decent. I played in the Sunday Million. And I had a decent lineup. I didn't cash. I only played one. But Marvin Jones, you'd mentioned him earlier. He just killed me. He killed. And you know what else killed me? Corey Davis not getting that touchdown. Mm, Yeah. Yeah. But Greg Zerline was good. Jordan Howard was the other one because I thought Jordan had remember we joked around about the over under on 30 carries for Jordan Howard. That just did not work out. That game did not work out the way I thought it would either. So, okay, lineup, but close, but no cigar, I guess I did have Adam Thielen. So that was nice. Um, Over two and a half million players won a cash prize playing on FanDuel to take advantage of our special offer for new users. Sign up today at FanDuel.com slash RW. You get a free six-month RotoWire subscription plus a free entry into the NFL Sunday Million, which offers more than $1 million in cash prizes, and that's with your first dep- deposit on FanDuel. Just visit FanDuel.com slash RW. Void where prohibited. Thanks, FanDuel. I will do better in the coming week. All right, Packers-Bears. You want to talk Packers-Bears? Carnage at running back for the Packers. Yeah, things got a little crazy. Uh, Montgomery and Jones both got hurt, so it was Jamal Williams grinding it out and Grinded out he did, 20 carries, 67 yards, but mm-hmm. uh, came up with a few first down conversions late in this game that ended up making the difference. And if you're John Fox, I know they asked him after the game about job security because it was on the, the NBC Sunday night audio montage or whatever they call that thing. And look, he's he's got to be in trouble. Uh, it's not a very talented roster, but you have to win that game. You're a home favorite yep. against your rival. With a backup quarterback. They're playing a backup quarterback who's looked pretty lost at times. Made a one really nice throw late uh, to Devontae Adams down the right side. But if you're the Bears, you have to find a way to win that game. And Mitch Trubisky, you know, he didn't have any, any big, big mistakes. His receivers were letting him down. I, I, I saw more, more drops than misfires, at least by comparison. Uh, Trubisky narrowly missed throwing for 300 yards in this game. The Packers defense leaks like a sieve against everybody. <laughs> I mean, like if you're, if you're, if you're a fan of the bears, you're feeling okay about Trubisky, yep. but you're probably not feeling real good about the coaching staff and or the front office right now. No. That, and that challenged wind up. I, I, at the time, I guess I didn't think it was horrendous because I mean, but I guess you have to sit before you challenge, you have to see, I guess he wasn't thinking, Hey, maybe he fumbled, you know? Right. So I don't know. Um, like I, I almost felt I didn't feel bad for John Fox, but I kind of looked and I went, I, I don't know that it was a it wound up to be a complete disaster. But I didn't know if I thought at the time that it was a, that it was a stupid thing to do that. You know, he he kind of thought his options were out of bounds or touchdown. Right. Uh, whatever. Um, Packers running backs. Aaron Jones looks like a sprained MCL. We're not confirmed on any of this. Until later today, probably. Aaron Jones looks like a sprained MCL. Ty Montgomery with a rib injury. Um, Jamal Williams might be at the top of our free agent list for the week. That's not a good thing. <laughs> I mean, I mean, think about it. I, the, the yardage yesterday wasn't really great. They, 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 they don't have much of a choice, though. Like they have to do something to balance out the offense. Like it's not like they can let Hundley throw it 45 times. That's not going to work real well. So with Williams, I mean, he's probably 
a very low end RB two if Montgomery and Aaron Jones are both sidelined for a period together. If there's a tandem of some kind, once Montgomery gets healthy or once Jones gets healthy, I would see it being at least like 60, 40 favoring the other guy and working against Williams. So it's short term relief. If you need volume at the running back position, I'm not wild about the matchup against the Ravens. Packers are back home for a week. It's just like the offense as a whole is not, not nearly the level we're accustomed to. So yeah, maybe it's the last volume running back. We'll have a shot at and you use the rest of your fab, but you're, you're doing it in desperation. Yep. I agree. Um, otherwise on that one, um, Hundley was fine. Uh, it was solid. Devante's his guy. That's pretty clear at this point, right? Yeah. I think the target volume the last couple of weeks is definitely uh, kind of shift things around a little bit. So if, if you're like me, if you thought Nelson might be a wide receiver two, Adams is a three, maybe you flip those tags a little bit. That's the best way to go about it. I still think with, with Hundley throwing the ball at Devonte Adams, he's outside the top 10 or top 12, the position most weeks. All right. Um, let's go to Bengals Titans. Um, I want to go back to Corey Davis. Look, the numbers were not spectacular again, but first of all, he had that fumble, into the pylon, which I can't believe we had two fumbles into the pylon yesterday. There was almost a third. Wasn't there a third in a game that looked like it might be that? Yeah, I think I saw a third one as well. I forget I, where it was. I, and somebody tweeted this. It, it is a stupid rule. Yes. You know, if you're trying to score and you fumble a ball into the end zone you're trying to score in, and that's that's a touchback. How is it not just still your ball where you fumbled it or something? Right. If, if no one recovers it, like why... Why do you lose possession if no one recovers the fumble? You don't lose possession. If you fumble the ball out of bounds over a sideline, you don't lose possession for that. Right. I agree. I, I saw the same commentary and it made sense. I'd never thought about it before. And, and it, it doesn't sense. seem like it, it doesn't seem like it happens that often. But now I don't know. Like it's just happened a few times in the last couple of weeks now. All right. So Corey Davis did that. So we would have had a touchdown. Right. And we didn't get it. Okay. Corey Davis was on the field for 78 snaps. The, the snap count here, I'm looking at it. Rashard Matthew 79, Corey Davis 78, Eric Decker 32. Um, Corey Davis, 10 targets again. Four for 48 and the near touchdown. Again, what I said Friday, it's coming. And it's going to come soon. It's going gonna, it's gonna to just hit you when this guy has the game and you're going to look and go, oh, wow, he went eight for 157 and two touchdowns. I mean, it could happen this week. I don't know, but it's going to happen. I mean, the rest of the season, I would love to own that guy. I really, really would. Yeah, it's sort of interesting. I mean, I think with with Davis, if there was anything they were still concerned about with his hamstring, they would be backing off that workload, and they're not. So I think that's a really encouraging sign. Yep. Um, The other thing, we talked last week about – the Titans saying they would turn Mariota loose running a little bit. Six for 51. Worked just fine. Um, DeMarco Murray, I actually had one lineup in a DFS that I had. My my running backs were the two Murrays, which was pretty good. The rest of it was not good, but the two Murrays were good. So DeMarco, three touchdowns. That's pretty nice. Um, and Joe Mixon, uh, I don't want to talk about Joe Mixon anymore. Do you want to talk about Joe Mixon? I'm tired of it. We don't have to. I mean, with DeMarco Murray, I'm just mad. In in Tout Daily, uh, he was really cheap, mm-hmm. and I think I pivoted twice. So he, he was in there at one brief point, and just mad at myself for not sticking to the original assessment that, you know, in that matchup, with that price being down, it's on fan tracks. So the price was probably lower there than it was on any other site, and that's probably why people weren't talking about DeMarco Murray a lot, like from a FanDuel and DraftKings standpoint three TDs like I, I was I was close I was so close and as Mixon goes like all right I will talk about Mixon for a second 4.1 yards per carry he gets in the end zone and still he carries the ball nine times so it just doesn't yeah it doesn't make sense they don't run that many plays I mean I guess that's part of it yep um the other thing I want to go back to with the Titans by the way you look at the stats and you think Derrick Henry and DeMarco Murray, not that far apart, right? I mean, Murray, he, DeMarco caught four passes, but rush-wise, Murray 14 for 42, Henry 11 for 52. You say, oh, that's pretty close. That's a timeshare. Snap-wise, DeMarco Murray 68 snaps, Derrick Henry 27. 
with these mm-hmm. two guys, do we almost have to throw that out and just almost not look at that anymore? Because it makes well, you think DeMarco Murray, it, it, sorry, Derrick Henry is the clear second fiddle, but workload wise, touch wise, he's not. So it's kind of to the point where if he's on the field, he's probably getting the ball. Yes. He had three targets and 11 catches. And if he played, like said, 20 some snaps, that's a lot of yep. it's a lot of attention. So half the time he was on the field, it was either a handoff to him or a target going his way. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's more just the Titans tipping their hand personnel wise with what they're going to do with him. Uh, when you're looking at this, this group of pass catchers right now, you know, Rashard Matthews, now that Corey Davis is back, takes a hit. Delaney Walker grinding it out, kind of playing hurt. You know, Johnny Smith is kind of waiting in the wings if Delaney Walker gets hurt. I think that they've got pretty good depth. I just wonder, do they have the, the, the star power necessary to, to be a playoff contender? Like, I think they can get in the playoffs. I think they can even win this division. That's, that's totally possible based on how the AFC South's playing out. And but are the Titans going to be good enough with this group to actually go in and beat a Pittsburgh or a New England in January? Right. That's, that's a good question. I mean, Davis would have to step up. So, I mean, I think I, I think what I said last week, I know I said it to you or Tim, was that I, I saw the way this, this, this is one of the games that I, I kind of, it played out very much like I thought it would. And I knew that where I would end up is that the Titans would win a relatively close game. They'd wind up at six and three and I'd still be looking at them going, I don't know if I'm, I don't know if they're disappointing me a little bit. <laughs> right? <laughs> I'm just yeah. looking at six and three. And I should be happy. And they were the trendy team. And if you were to tell me, hey, six and three after nine, I would have said, oh, yeah, that's, you know, people were right about them being the trendy team. And I'm looking, I'm going, yeah, I guess. I don't know. They beat the Bengals by four. Big deal. <laughs> so I don't know. Maybe I'm asking too much. But you know, I, I think I, I've overestimated the Bengals all season long, though. Like I, I've I've been like my baseline for them has been wrong. Yeah, I, I think I'm, I think I'm with you on that. I thought they'd be better. Um, the other one there, you were talking about the playoffs. Is there any doubt in your mind that they would get the Saturday 430 on wildcard weekend? Oh, no, that's already locked in. Yeah, I, it used to be. I used to just think it was the that that game was just a constant rotation between the Chiefs, Texans and Bengals. But now the Titans are going to muscle in on that action. It's just like it's probably on an it, on a document somewhere in the NFL <laughs> league office where it says 4:30 Eastern Saturday wild card weekend AFC South champion versus first wild card like mm-hmm. they, they they know they know that that team is probably going to be the division winner with the worst record and they'll get the wild card winner with the best record yep all right Texans Rams speaking to the Texans who are not going to be in that 4:30 game because they're not going to win anymore um at this point just generally it, it, is, it, how surprising is it to you that uh, basically for the rest of the season, if someone said to you, do you take Robert Woods or Sammy Watkins? And you say, oh, Robert Woods, without a doubt. It's weird, isn't it? I mean, it's just the way it is. It's I guess like with the Hundley situation in Green Bay, like he throws more at Adams than he does at Nelson and Goff throws more at Woods than he does at Watkins. He throws pretty much at everybody more than he throws at Watkins. But maybe that's the thing with, with younger quarterbacks or inexperienced quarterbacks. They when when handled properly, when when taught not to make critical mistakes, they avoid going through their best talent at the expense of losing the matchup. It's the opposite of the New England sort of thing where, you know, yeah, sure, we, we might have our best player on one side of the field. But if the opposing team's number one corner is just as good or, or better than that player, we're losing throwing into that matchup and we're losing even more if we're throwing into that matchup with a below average quarterback. Right. Um, all right. CJ Fedorowicz did nothing for us. We talked about him. Nothing. Um, as bad as Tom Savage is, he throws to DeAndre Hopkins all the damn time. Always. Like it, it basically it's it's the if you try to do the who 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 coined it this Mike Salfino the the zero bad quarterback theory that I'm not I'm not I I don't want anybody who I don't want to draft anyone in the first three rounds that plays with a bad quarterback 
I mean, and, and it's, you know, there's, it's justifiable, but look at the last three weeks, look at the last two weeks, um, with Savage playing 30 targets for DeAndre Hopkins in two games. I mean, he basically is going back there and saying, I'm just throwing to that guy and I don't care what happens. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's probably just a case where the production becomes a lot more volatile. We're seeing that with T.Y. Hilton this year too. Uh, Will Fuller, I saw him leave the game with an injury. I never saw a follow up on him, but you know, he's kind of gone back to guy that you don't put in your lineup nah. anymore with, with Watson out, which is too bad. Uh, and I think the, the running game wanted the same depth that it would have had when it was putting up uh, when the offense, putting up so many points. I mean, when you put up 40 points, eventually you start using your backup running back because you want to keep your starter healthy. So the Deonta Foreman flex appeal is gone. The depth receivers take a big hit. And if Tom Savage can't do anything else, at least he is targeting Hopkins, like you said. So it seems like Hopkins is safe for now. Who knows, though? I mean, I, 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 I think with Houston, he probably did enough. Savage did enough to probably keep TJ Yates on the bench for at least another week. <laughs> I just I, I don't think there's that much of a difference between them. So I guess it doesn't really matter if they make that change. I don't know if he did. No, he was. I watched some of that late. He was pretty bad late. So I guess, I guess we'll see. Um, Cowboys Falcons. You talked about Devontae Freeman's concussion. We're going to have to wait and see on that one. Uh, Tyrod Smith's absence. For, forget Ezekiel Elliott for a moment. Tyrod Smith's absence was a, a killer for the Cowboys. Um, six sacks for, uh, for who was it on the Falcons? Name escaping me for a second. Adrian Claiborne. Thank you, Adrian Claiborne. Um, six sacks. That's ridiculous. Like, how, how did they? I mean, at some point, don't you? They, they kind of weren't. I, I, I was flipping on that one to one of the other games and going, you know, are they going to help this guy ever? You know, and, and I feel like they didn't do it enough. And again, like, I'm not, you know, I'm not going to claim that I watched all the plays and, you know, had, had the protections memorized, but. They at some point you've got to there's there's another plan and it seems like the Cowboys didn't use it. Yeah, well, they yeah, they got a whole staff of coaches that are supposed to figure that out on the fly. And they, they clearly didn't because I mean, six sacks. I, why? Why would you not give him help? That's just that's almost like vintage Jason Garrett, right? When when Jason Garrett used to just get shredded all the time for being predictable and boring, like somebody has to notice that and, and try to make an adjustment. I think they said uh, this again from the, the Sunday night breakdown when they're, they're talking about it. Claiborne said something about how on tape he saw the hand position that this, this backup tackle was using. Chaz Green. And, yes. Yeah. Chaz Green. And he's like, I, I'm going to take advantage of that. And, and even like the, the micro adjustment, like Chaz Green didn't make that. So he was just losing leverage like on every play. Like, yep. It's just really bizarre. Otherwise here, Alfred Morris wasn't bad. I mean, the game was, it wasn't a blowout until later. And Alfred Morris wasn't bad. I mean, 11 for 53, not bad. Um, Darren McFadden's still in the bubble wrap, I guess. Yeah, it's not going to happen. They weren't saving him. So that's been ruled out. Um, right. I mean, Rod Smith had more carries. Rod Smith caught passes. Darren McFadden didn't. Is Darren McFadden even rosterable with Morris getting 11 carries and with Smith playing more than he did yesterday? I don't think so. I mean, unless you have some deep bench and can sit a guy there for a, you know, across your fingers and see what happens. But generally, no. So um, otherwise here, Julio was in PPR. He was okay for you. Otherwise, he was not. Um, Austin Hooper played pretty well. Um Giants 49ers. All right. So did you see Garrett Selleck's quote? No, I did not. He said, I, I heard all week that I was a fantasy sleeper, so I had to give people some points. <laughs> that's nice. That's, 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 a, that's a good attitude about it. That's awareness right there. That's yeah, not Martellus I mean, Bennett yelling at people about fantasy football. That's the opposite. But Garrett Selleck, so, so, so Garrett Selleck was basically when my man George Kittle got hurt, we talked last week and said, well, the Giants have given up touchdowns to tight ends in nine straight games and Garrett Selleck's up. I mean, if you're reaching for a tight end, here it is. It's right here. And, 
you know, who knows what's going to happen because he's still Garrett Selleck. But because he's playing the Giants, he's a decent bet. Well, there you go. Four for 67 and a touchdown. Um, the touchdown was on the long side. 47, right? I think that was the touchdown. Yeah, um, I think good play. So Giants schedule. I want to go through this for tight end owners. This week they play Travis Kelsey. Well, duh. Week after they play the Redskins. If you have Jordan Reed, if he plays great, if you have Vernon Davis and Jordan Reed's hurt, you're playing Vernon Davis anyway. The following week, Jared Cook. You're probably playing Jared Cook anyway if you own him. Like, if, even if it wasn't the Giants, you'd be playing Jared Cook. So that's a good spot for Jared Cook if you own him. Then it's Jason Witten in week 14. Then it's Zach Ertz in week 15, first, week your, first or second week of your fantasy playoffs. That's probably your semifinals. If you own Zach Ertz, rejoice. He's playing the Giants. Here's the one. If you want to play this game against the Giants and you want to stash a tight end for week 16, they are at the Cardinals and it's Jermaine Gresham. And I bet you can get him. Am I thinking too far ahead? Uh, There's one type of league where I think you would do this. It's an NFFC league where you've got 10 bench spots because bye weeks are almost over. Yeah. Gresham might actually be out there in some of the leagues. And yeah, you got to look at the schedule of your your other tight end. I don't have all those kind of committed to memory or anything right. like that. But in a league like that, where you, you I think pickups get cut off too at the end of the regular season. I think once you go into playoff mode, you can't make pickups anymore. You do want to have a backup tight end, even if you previously wouldn't have had a backup tight end. So I think in those spots, this would be your window to add a Jermaine Gresham to your roster, with the hope that you know if you need him in week sixteen. He will be one of yet another tight end to cash in on that matchup. Yeah. And I'm thinking this if, if I again, I don't have all the schedules in front of me either, but I'm thinking that if, if my tight end one is a guy like Delaney Walker, you know, sort of one of the lower end, Hunter Henry, someone like that, I might, again, it depends on what kind of bench you have, but if you're getting out of the bye weeks, and some of the bench guys are, you know, your, your, your fourth running back is Bilal Powell, you know, <laughs> some guy you're tired of and he's not going to help you. I wonder if I'd stash Jermaine Gresham for that. I mean, I wouldn't give up a good player for it, but you know what? <laughs> if I was confident in my team going that far, I might do it a few weeks ahead of time. That's all. So, but yeah, I mean, really, it's just the Giants are, the Giants are horrible. So... I mean, see, I, I remember I was whining last week why they why the Niners weren't playing Garoppolo because this was the game they could win. They won anyway. Giants are so bad. Yeah. Makes me sad. They, they are. They are. And it, it's it's funny to me. ESPN's got a, a picture of a guy wearing a Giants jersey and he's got a paper bag over his head. He, he cut the frowny face in nicely, too. <laughs> but look, the paper bag over your head. That's for fans of tortured franchises. The Giants are not a tortured franchise. Yeah, your team stinks right now. Right. Your head coach is stupid. Your front office isn't very good. You're going to clean house. You're probably going to be fine. You're the worst. I mean, I guess the Bears are an example of a team that has this proud tradition and hasn't been good for a while. Like that could be your future if you're a Giants fan, but it probably isn't. Like it, you're probably going to be okay in a few years. So. Easy with the paper bags, Giants fans. Yeah, you haven't suffered long enough to, to put those on. Yeah, when I was a kid, the Giants, this was before they changed. They basically blew it up and they brought, the, the league steered George Young to them as a general manager. In the first year, they drafted Phil Simms. In the third year, they drafted Lawrence Taylor and they were on the path to, you know, all that good stuff. But in 1978, it was 15 years of no playoffs and people were, I mean, this is a franchise that back then, it was like the Packers. There were 20,000 people on the waiting list for tickets. And people were burning their tickets in the parking lot. And flying planes over the stadium with signs trailing that said, 15 years of bad football is enough, fire everybody, all that stuff. I mean, that, that was bad. This, I mean, I'm not happy, but they were in the playoffs last year. So I agree with you. The paper bags are a little strong. A little early for that. Yeah. You, you talk, talk to me in about four or five years. If, if this <laughs> continues, if, if you go through a, a Cleveland stretch of, for, for even five, a five-year yes. Cleveland stretch, which is – Cleveland stretch implies like 20 years, if not longer. Five, you, you, five bad years before you start bringing out paper bags. Right. Like I have a, 
a sister-in-law who's a huge Cowboys fan. She's like, oh, they drive me crazy and I hate rooting for them. I'm like, go live in Cleveland. <laughs> Stop whining. Yeah, you, you can't complain if you're a fan of, of the Cowboys. I mean, even Niners fans, like your team, for most 49ers fans, the team was really good for a large portion of your, your lifetime, you know, 80s, 90s. And then even more recently, the Harbaugh Kaepernick Niners teams were really good. Right. Yeah, they went to the Super Bowl, what, five years ago? Yeah. Like they less. So <laughs> even even other teams that have been in two and three year cycles of being down, like you weren't bad that long ago. You're actually really good. Not that long ago. Right. Um, only other note here. Giants, your silver lining, your fantasy silver lining. Orleans Darkwa is, is a startable fantasy running back at this point. He's, he's oh, not bad. <laughs> no, he is. He is playing well. Uh, I think you know what it is. It's just that. I'm worried about the Giants offense in a lot of their non San Francisco matchups. Like the the way the way I was trying to explain it to people that were asking about Eli on Twitter, I said, this could be the last good week Eli Manning ever has. Yep. Like two seventy three, two TDs. He came through. You did, you called that. But but you don't necessarily get that when they play the Chiefs coming off a bye. When they get the Redskins on a short week on Thanksgiving in Washington, when they get Oakland the week after that, there could be some really rough performances coming from Eli. And if, if that happens for a few weeks, maybe they will look at Davis Webb. Maybe they will make that change and use the remaining games to evaluate a younger player to see if they have their next quarterback on the roster or not. Oh, my gosh. You got it. all my my buddies up there are just screaming, you know, they should use Davis Webb all the time. Now we got to find out. Forget it. Get Bench Eli. Okay. <laughs> Great. <laughs> good luck. We don't know how good he is. The Giants probably do. Um, all right. Oh, and Sterling Shepard, by the way. Uh, 11 for 142 on 13 targets. Uh, so this, he's, he's entering PPR must-start territory. I don't think he's going to do this every week, but Eli's, you know, he's, he's basically he's a slot guy, and Eli's going to find him. Um, Pat's Broncos, as I, I mentioned, I think I mentioned to you earlier, it might have been before we started. I, I thought the Broncos were going to put up a fight here. I, I, I guess the, I think the coaching changes have affected this team more than I previously thought. I mean, I will say they did the mistakes in the beginning. You know, I thought the Bronco defense would step up, but the first two scores for the Patriots were a, a player two after a fumbled punt and on a kickoff return. And that just set things off on a, on just the wrong foot completely. Um, the Patriots' backfield, Rex Burkhead, Rex Burkhead, who you mentioned earlier, he led the way in snaps: thirty six snaps for Burkhead, twenty one for Deion Lewis, eleven for James White. Burkhead goes ten for thirty six on the ground, caught a touchdown pass early, three for twenty seven. Um, but does it make you want to start him in a 12-teamer? Still no. Not really. Um, I played him in Stopa this week, so I was just a desperation play because my second quarterback was on a bye, and I just wanted someone that plays in a good offense to take his place. So, you know, with Lewis and Burkhead kind of taking over, we saw James White catch some passes. Mike Gillisley is just a forgotten man. Like, Was he uh, active? I don't think he was because I didn't see him play at all. I, I didn't see the inactives list, but I also didn't see him on the field or on the sideline or anywhere. So he, he's just kind of done. The thing that I'm a little concerned about uh, for the Broncos, aside from special teams, which is a huge problem, I think like, Emmanuel Sanders is a really, really good player. And I think they're one of those teams that does not have – it's next starting quarterback on the roster. I don't think Paxton Lynch is the guy. Okay. I know Osweiler played yesterday and whatever. I mean, 6.7 yards per attempt against arguably one of the league's worst pass defenses, even though the Patriots are they're playing better. How much of their improvement was Osweiler doing Osweiler things? And how much of it is Patriots scheme being improved? Like 50, 50, you think I like, got, how much credit are you willing to give the Patriots defense for being fixed? Um, I don't know. That's a tough one in that game. Because it's funny, I, I felt like when I was watching it, I was watching Osweiler and I'm thinking to myself, he doesn't look terrible. You know, 
And, and that's just the eyeball test. So it's, you know, not necessarily the right way to do it. But that, that's where I was on it. I just felt like it wasn't so bad. Um, that they could, that, you know, if things had broken differently early, maybe they would have been more competitive in that game. But the Patriots, I mean, it, not just that game last night, but just over the past four or five weeks, their defense has, they, it feels like they fixed it, which we kind of all thought they would, right? Yeah, and I think early on in the game, too, I mean, Denver would, would drive and end up with a field goal. The Patriots would drive and, and get TDs, and that, of course, doesn't yeah. work. So, I don't know. I'm looking at Emmanuel Sanders, and I'm just kind of wishing like he had a chance to play on a better team right now. I, I look at the running back situation. They were mixing and matching Anderson, Charles, and Booker a lot, and that's frustrating because it when you're rotating three, it just doesn't work unless you're an explosive offense, and they're they're not that. Sanders, I think, also made Osweiler look a lot better on a couple throws. Two catches in particular kind of stand out for me with Sanders. And when when Osweiler attempted a pass and did not target Emmanuel Sanders, he was under four yards per attempt throwing okay. to everybody else on that roster. OK, um, yeah, that wasn't good. You probably and he, I felt like he threw to Sanders. He did throw to Sanders. He threw him 11 times. Uh, all right. Dolphins, Panthers tonight. Anything anything you're looking for? In this game, anybody you're particularly interested in seeing that, you know, maybe, I mean, you know, we all like to watch Cam, but anyone you're interested in watching? I need a lot of points from Kenyon Drake in the NFFC. So <laughs> that's kind of just my selfish rooting interest. But I mean, I guess I, I do kind of care like overall, like what's the backfield going to look like for Miami? How effective are they going to be? Is Carolina going to be tough defensively? I mean, they have been most of the year. I never know which Miami team is going to show up. I I have clueless as to what they will yeah. be in any given week. Um, I mean, I expect Panthers to win their nine point favorites. I guess if the Dolphins will keep it closer than that. I think my my spread pick right now is giving up the nine points that the Panthers will ultimately cover. So with that, I would expect Cam to play pretty well. I want to watch Christian McCaffrey again. I mean, he, he ran well last week, right? I, I didn't get to see much of the game last week. So to have this as a standalone is particularly helpful, especially if they use Christian McCaffrey the same way. Yeah, I, I want to see if he ran. He ran. He did run well last week, and I'm curious about him running well too. The, the the one thing off fantasy for a minute, the point spread. I don't think the Panthers generally score enough to give. What is it? At nine and a half. You know what I mean? They're just they're they're the type of team that's been winning when they win with. 20-ish points. I mean, the last two weeks, 20 and 17. All right, the Eagles, they scored 23. They, they had a couple games. Weeks four and five, they're good. But I feel, I feel like that that for them for them to win, for them to cover, they're going to have to hold the Dolphins on 10 or less, which can happen. The Dolphins, I think we talked last week, the Dolphins are one play away from being shut out three times. So, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, they're, they're, they're so like, bad and random random it's, yes it's, i mean the panthers it's a good point you make though they've averaged 18.7 points per game right dolphins are the worst in the league the dolphins the dolphins have been worse than the browns offensively Oof. like that's really hard to do it is really but, hard to yeah do. they're they both tra- bottom 10 offenses in, in points and they traded their best offensive player most likely or they traded their playmaker anyway and yeah. jay who has wasn't always great but i don't know um, yeah, I mean, this could be a shutout. This could be 17 nothing. and it wouldn't be, I wouldn't be surprised. So, and my wife's going, but I'm not to the game. Dude, you're not going? No, she's got a work reason to be at the game. And oh, you know, nice. I've got a kid reason to be at home in, due to the her being at the game. So, oh, well. It'll be right. chill, chilly. I'm okay in front of the TV, I guess, sometimes. Hey, but, better, better beer at home. That's true. But you can listen to me at 6.05 Eastern on the Panthers pregame show. If you'd like for five minutes, check it out. It's weird given the fantasy take on those on Mondays, because when we do it Sunday mornings, you go, oh, well, today, here's your sleepers and here's some guys to look for. And here's how the Panthers are going to do tonight. I'm like, oh, I don't know. What am I going to talk about? Garrett Selleck? <laughs> yeah, you, you can. You can talk about Garrett Selleck for a brief moment. 
<laughs> be allowed. I guess I got to figure out something. So if you have any, anybody, if you have any ideas for what I should talk about on the Panthers pregame show, have me on Twitter at jhalpin 37 or find Derek at Derek Van Riper. Um, what are you up to this week? What do we got going on that people need to look for? Well, we got the waiver column that accompanies the waiver podcast going up on, on Tuesday morning. And then Mario's film review goes up later in the week. Highly yes. recommend checking that out. Uh, it's a good way. Like if you didn't see any games, uh, closely, any particular games, or if you didn't watch, you were on red zone all day. It's a great way to really fill in blind spots that you, you may have had from the previous week. So I would highly recommend checking that out. Uh, me personally, probably doing some baseball writing again. You know, yeah. It's magazine season for me. So I'm, uh, I'm in two sport mode again. I, I never really get out of two sport mode right. anymore. I think the only time where I'm, I'm on one, uh, I, I don't have to be, I'm not one of the draft guys for road wire. So I guess the spring is baseball only for me, but, uh, yeah, it's 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 two sports season for me, even though the World Series ended more than a week ago. Yep. Lots of baseball. If you're ready for baseball, don't don't sleep, people. It's November 13th and your competitors are starting to study. So don't you know, don't fall behind. All right. Listeners to our podcast, as we always like to tell you, you can get a free 10 day Rotowire trial at rotowire.com slash pod. No credit card needed. That lets you check out nearly everything on the site. Really, really helpful stuff. Check it out now. Rotowire.com slash pod. Uh, also, please keep the reviews and ratings coming on the podcast. We appreciate it. Thank you for listening to this edition of the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast, sponsored by FanDuel. Our next episode is going to be coming on Tuesday. As Derek said, Jake Latarski and I will talk free agents. Um, I have a feeling Jamal Williams will factor into the discussion. So please come on back then. For Derek Van Riper, I'm John Halpin. See you next time.